How's it going today, guys? Once again, we're back here, another episode of Hot Takes with TP3. I'm in here with Cohen Hughes. Cohen, say what's up to the people. What's up, people? And we got a good show for y'all today. First, though, we want to start out here, talk about a little World Cup. So, I mean, Cohen, what do you think about everything that's been going on so far in the World Cup? Um, uh, this has been a very good World Cup so far. The African nations have kind of disappointed me. I really expected more from Mo Salah and his teammates from Egypt, but um, I know that Mo's having a tough time carrying the ship over there. Um, Germany, I really wish their first game against Mexico would have went better, but they rebounded with a vintage performance against Sweden in that second game. Um, I've had pretty positive feelings so far about the World Cup. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that, honestly. These games have been so great. I mean, yesterday was just the epitome of all that with how the Spain and Portugal games finished up and the fact that Portugal led the entire game and then ended up getting second place in the group. I mean, that was one of the craziest finishes I've ever seen. It was like three goals in five minutes between the two games. Like, I mean, you can't make that stuff up. But overall, I agree with you, man. I mean, that Germany loss caught me off guard. This uh, Brazil tie, I mean, I feel like the – Favorites have really struggled and gotten knocked around, which is what, honestly, you love to see and makes it so much more fun to watch is the unpredictability of it. I feel like the novelty of that will make more and more Americans uh, privy to watch in the upcoming years. You know, seeing teams like Iran catch a draw, seeing teams like Morocco put up good fights, you know, like it's, it's, it's nice to see the obnoxious powerhouses of soccer kind of get challenged a little bit. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that. And honestly, kind of when America comes in the World Cup and makes runs like that, it's the equivalence to those teams doing stuff like that. Like when we made it out of that group of death a couple years Whenever back. We, we, we beat Ghana. We had no business beating Ghana. And... Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, we all saw what we were really about against Belgium. And, I mean, I think Belgium, though, has been the best team so far this World Cup. I picked France to win, but the way it's looking like right now, France comes out on top of this uh, table, which I think they will. They're going to have to play Argentina in the first round of, the, round of 16. So... I mean, that's going to be a huge game, and that's going to knock out one of the two biggest contenders right there for sure. But I definitely think that Belgium looks the best so far. They've absolutely dominated. So, I mean, them versus England is really my biggest game to watch for that's left. <clears throat> yes, England has been very exciting. Uh, the goals have been there, unlike past World Cups for them. Harry Kane is leading the Golden Boot race right now with five goals. I think um, Ronaldo and Lukaku are behind him with four each. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it would have also been crazy yesterday if it, uh, they had counted that goal against Portugal where they would have ended up losing the yeah. game, and then if the, um, Argentina wouldn't have qualified for the next round as well if they were to lose today. You could go back and say that Messi and Ronaldo getting penalty kicks blocked were the reason why that their teams didn't advance. I mean, that would have been one of the craziest storylines ever, the fact that two of the best players have something happen to them that's harder than somebody like me or you hitting a 100-mile-per-hour fastball. Like, yeah. I mean, if that were the reason. Like, Ronaldo's kick, the keeper literally saved it with his head. What's what, from seven yards out? Yeah. Like, that, like somebody's kicking a soccer ball right at you from seven yards out, and the goal is about almost 15 feet wide, whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, like, it, come on. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's it's so fast, like, such a hard thing to get in front of and save. And the fact that, like, even if you guess the right way, it still might be too yeah. high or oh, something. Or, like, or, or just meg you. Just hit it in, in between your legs, under your elbow, you know. Like, yeah. The, 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 the ability to get your hand on a soccer ball that's traveling that fast at that rate of speed, that spin, and that short of time is incredible. Yeah, and even the fact the ball could just hit right off your hands and bounce it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just absolutely crazy that all that stuff happened. But – 
I mean, I'm really excited to see what happens today. Obviously, that Argentina game is going to be huge. They're starting around 2 o'clock, so I'm definitely going to be getting by my TV or some point around then. But, I mean, let's get down to it. I mean, man, the NBA awards last night, I, I was really happy. My boy, James Harden, finally got the MVP. MVP! It's been way too many times in a row that he's been going for it. But, hey, he finally got the MVP. But, I mean, let's get down to the first award of the night, which was Rookie of the Year. And, I mean, I know you have some beef with it, with you being a jazz guy. And yeah, I mean – just based on the eye test and based on what we've seen in the past and just based on actual tangible results, I feel like Donovan Mitchell still was the better rookie. And, I mean, even if you want to say Ben Simmons was a rookie, which he wasn't, but even if you want to say, like, man, having to do what Ben Simmons did is tough, having to learn a new system and having to carry Philly out of the dark age. But you got to think, he's doing that in the East. Donovan Mitchell was, was piecing up your Man Candy Monday in the West, you know, like he was, he was, he, he was having to gr grind his teeth against superstars that are the best of the best. But Ben Simmons gets to do it against the Orlando Magic every night. You know, like it, it's it's maddening. I can't be mad. Ben Simmons is a great player, hoping the best. You know, whatever. But they job my boy Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that. I mean, we've definitely saw the difference between the two players in the playoffs. Obviously, the playoffs don't count towards voting for these awards. No, regular which, season award. Yeah, which a lot of people get mad about. But I'm always like, dude, it's a regular season award. Why would you count the playoffs? But, I mean, when Ben Simmons' team needed him most, he showed up and had one point in the playoffs and had some key turnovers, too, and they could have won the games. Donovan Mitchell had that 22-point quarter against Houston. I mean, we saw him go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Russell Westbrook. I believe it was in game four in Utah when Russell Westbrook had 40 plus and Donovan Mitchell had like 38 or something mm -hmm. like that I mean Donovan Mitchell I feel like every single time a challenge popped up he looked it right in the eyes and he got better and better and better and the yeah. other thing too is I mean Ben Simmons is the number one overall pick we've been hearing about Ben Simmons for three four years before he was even in in the NBA like we've been hearing all oh, this kids the next big thing Donovan Mitchell was the number 14th pick he had played two years in college like he wanted to play baseball over basketball I don't know how much y'all have read about his story but I mean, this kid just did things. Probably could have. He's an yeah. incredible baseball player. Yeah, exactly. Like, this kid's an animal. Like, he just did so many things that we haven't seen a rookie do in forever. And, I mean, it really showed once that they got Gobert back and they had that 47-33 stretch. Like, I just feel like that he's just – I just feel like he was better, quite frankly, and he meant more to his team and them winning. So, I was really disappointed at that award. Um, disappointing is, is right to say. I'm not mad. You know, Ben Simmons is, well, is a great player. Um he, he was definitely second, if, if not first. So, you know, mm -hmm. like, they didn't mess it up too bad. I mean, I just wish Donovan Mitchell would have won it. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. It definitely would have been nice to see him get honored by that for this season. But I think Donovan Mitchell next year could make a quick jump to being a top ten player in the NBA or could make some a big kind of jump like that. And I think the Jazz are a team to watch out for. I'd love to see them land another star in free agency and would love to see what that team could do. I think they're one of the best available teams to land a big star. But LeBron to Utah. That'd be crazy. <laughs> But let's get down now to MVP. I mean, I don't know how you feel about this award. Y'all know how I felt. I had had multiple podcasts probably once a week for the last two weeks of the season where I was ranting about how James Harden was MVP over LeBron. I mean, I just think he deserved it over him straight up. I mean, his team won 16 more games. I mean, Harden had to play with another ball-dominant player. LeBron only had IT in there for 15 games. Mm -hmm. I mean, so he really never had another ball-dominant player he had to deal with out there on the floor. So a lot of people bash Harden for having the better team. I say that's something you can't hold against him, but how is he going to have almost the exact similar stats to LeBron when he has to deal with Chris Paul taking the ball away from him so much? And that stat that Colin Coward and all of them put up is so biased because it only goes by point totals when James Harden missed 10 games because of a strained 
hamstring. Like, of course, you're just going to use totals instead of averages, and you're only going to put up there the stats that LeBron wins in. If you use isolation scoring stats or efficiency scoring stats. Cowherd is the biggest fucking cherry picker I've ever met in my life. Like, he only picks stats that, like, pushes his narrative. Exactly. like, Like, it's like the dude has the biggest vendetta against Atlanta. And for just just for no reason, and like, kind of like how I heard, like I get it. You have to be divisive and co- uh, comprehensive in your in your in your research to go ahead and you know make your fans. Oh, I want this side. I want this side. You have to create that divide. But Colin Cowherd is, a, is about a phony. No, I agree with you. Sometimes I can't watch his show because it'll make me too mad because I'll just see how, how his stats are geared towards only his opinion and there's nothing that presents the other argument, which kind of sucks. Like That's why I like watching it better on Speak for Yourself when he's got all those other guys. You'll hear him bring something Again. up he was saying earlier and them all just be like, yeah, nah. Shut the hell up, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, I agree with you there. So I think they got that right with Harden. But overall, I thought they got a lot of the awards right last night. Like I was really happy to see Rudy Gobert Win his when his defensive player of the year. I mean, the defensive win share, the Jazz's record with and without him were absolutely absurd. I mean, to think that I love Anthony Davis. I think Anthony Davis will win MVP of this league at some point in time. But I mean, if I there just, was an award for most skilled player, Anthony Davis would probably win. Oh, hundred percent. You, you, you know, but but that's just not the case. Like, there's there's certain niches that guys have to fit in the NBA, and even even as a Utah Jazz fan, I Rudy Gobert needed to win this award last night. The, I'm tired of seeing the NBA crowd all these stars into, into one cattle pen and just give them all the awards. Oh, my God, you're so pretty. We love you. We love you. Oh, my God. I'm glad to see they're finally branching out to teams that are lesser known and to guys that go in and do the work day in and day out and don't complain. That's what I'm saying. Like, what Rudy Gobert is not, like, and he does is, like, not easy. Like, he plays such hard defense. Like, that takes so much of a toll on your body. We saw him get knocked around. He still gets out there, and Seven he's one. jumping. Yeah, to block shots, rebound, like, going all out. So, I mean, I agree with you. Like, I felt like it really rewarded a dirty working player. Obviously, the only other award that me and you really didn't agree with last night was Coach of the Year. I mean, I thought it should have been Mike D'Antoni, just the way he – dominated the Western Conference. I feel like the going 65 and 16 out there in the Western Conference was huge. I mean, he made a system that made Chris Paul and James Harden work, something we thought we'd never see work. I mean, he literally took the worst style of basketball, which is what all coaches hate at most levels of basketball, which is isolation basketball, and he made it become one of the best offenses of all time. And the fact that he could dominate the Western Conference like that, I mean, I think says a lot. And it's not like that D'Antoni's some great coach because people forget that this is the same guy who got fired in New York and Phoenix and L.A. Like, he finally has found something that works for him, too. I know he got it last year, but I felt like that he got even better this year. And on the other side of things, I mean, Dwayne Casey dominated an absolutely weak Eastern Conference. And absolutely I mean, horrible weak yeah. Eastern Conference. Like, th- this year was the worst I've seen the Eastern Conference in a long time. And maybe if the Celtics had had Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward, maybe they could have made a team that would have beat the Cavs or maybe could have matched against the, the Warriors. But in, in, in my humble opinion, no. The East is, is few and far leagues below the West. Yeah, and no, me and you even agree that we both had uh, Terry Stotts and Quinn Schneider finishing ahead of him just because of what they did with so much less. I mean, they don't have any of the big names. I mean, I guess Damian Lillard finally – got to be more of a big name but I mean still he's out in that smaller market in Portland so a lot of people Portland might be the smallest market in the NBA right now yeah no even 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 Brooklyn and even Orlando are are bigger than them I think yeah Portland Portland like the only reason you see people at the games is because there's nothing else to do in Portland and all the celebrities have have to have to go get the pictures taken of them somewhere you know like like Portland is just is just a horrible place to play Credit to Terry Stotts for what he's done I don't think he's the greatest head coach but this year he did a very admirable job getting that team to third 
Yeah, no, I agree with you completely. I thought Terry Stotts did a great job. I mean, like you said, though, he's like Dan Quinn. He's not a great in-game coach, mm. but he gets the players ready to go to war. He tells Damian Lillard, yeah, I might need 40 from you to beat the Magic tonight, but Damian Lillard goes and, yeah, out and, there. And, 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 and Damian Lillard's, I'm not going to say ego, but his personality and the way that he performs for his team, that, that's what he needs, you know. Like, you, you need to tell him, hey, buddy, tote the load, you know, like, and, and he'll gladly do it for you. Yeah, and I think Damian Lillard definitely has played with a chip on his shoulder his whole mm -hmm. career because I mean, he's always been one of those guys who's put the number up he's as flashy with it all like he can get to the hole as Westbrook and all of them he, he can shoot the ball where better. Did, where did Damian Lillard go to college wasn't it uh Weber State Weber they State. weren't even D1 yep. mm -hmm. yeah exactly like he you have knows. to whenever you come from Weber State you mm. have to play with a chip on your shoulder yeah and that's why that's honestly why Damian Lillard's always been one of my favorite players because I can tell he plays with a chip on his shoulder but I mean even the Jazz too I mean like you lose Gordon Hayward your best player an all-star probably a top 15 player departs to the Eastern Conference and you still you have a better season and you make the playoffs I mean well, I mean, Donovan you, Mitchell you, came you, out of nowhere. You have one more win in the regular season, and you won your playoff series that you won last year, but you won it this year a game earlier against against probably a better team. Because last year the Jazz beat the Clippers mm -hmm. in seven games, which was a knockdown, drag-out series where both teams were probably evenly matched. That, that, that was a series that broke up the Clippers' big four, yeah. really. But this year we were able to go and really just, just outperform the Thunder and just – make it almost an embarrassing series for them. They had, what, three All-Stars this year? Yeah. And we had zero, you know? Like, um, I, I, I will say this. Um, Quinn Snyder did a, did a great job this year. If it was up to me personally and, like, it was a gun to what was to my head and pick Coach of the Year, I would have picked Brad Stevens. But that's also factoring in the, the playoffs and how he took that team with Terry Rozier as their starting point guard and, and a rookie, their second-best offensive option, you know, like. Yeah, the East is weak. Brad Stevens had to overcome more than Quinn Snyder did. And Quinn Snyder had a little bit more talent. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that. Um, I definitely think that Quinn Snyder definitely got the best out of his players. Like, I've never seen um, Ricky Rubio play the way that he did. Like, he got aggressive. the best. It was, yeah. it, was, it was aggressive this year. It was nice to see. Yeah, he got the most out of it. Like, Ricky Rubio actually looked like the Ricky Rubio that he was drafted to be mm -hmm. in the league. Like, I mean, who is Royce O'Neal? Like, he got so much production out of him. I mean, Gobert just keeps looking better and better with him in there as a coach. I mean, Donovan Mitchell obviously came out of nowhere. I mean, Joe Ingles. I mean, you can't – you just keep going down the list. I feel like every single player who stepped on the floor for the Jazz knew their defined role and they played to their defined role and they just looked good as a team. The like addition I of Jay Crowder was 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 a very underrated move in my opinion. It's not only what he does for you on the basketball court, but for guys like me who follow the Jazz, the body language and the fun that these guys play with is is is, is a testament to Coach Snyder and how he builds his system and, and how he presents himself to his players, how he presents the game plan to the players, how he motivates the players, and really just the organization the Jazz run. So Quinn Snyder's a great coach. I would have had him finish second to Brad Stevens. I think the NBA got it stupidly, morbidly wrong with picking Dwayne Casey, someone who got fired for being stagnant water, for being a stopgap. Stop gaps aren't NBA coaches of the year. There, I, I could pick seven other coaches from this year that I would have rather given the coach of the year award to. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. I'm not a big fan at all of Dwayne Casey winning. I mean, I can applaud him for what he did, but I just don't think Ad that. Admirable. Yeah, yeah. admirable, but – what, what were the tangible results? Getting getting beat by LeBron's second worst team in four games, and yeah. getting swept by LeBron's second worst team of all time. You know, like come on, G. Like that's just not that's just that's not what we're doing. You know, like 
Yeah, and I thought the real defining night of their whole season, the night that should have won, made or break him for the coach of the year, was that night when they scored 79 points on the Cavs in the first half and still lost in the second half. Mm-hmm. Like When they lost that game, I even said that I didn't think that they could beat them and do anything in the playoffs. No. I mean, if you can't beat LeBron, what are you going to do? And, you know, even when that series first started, I kind of went back on myself a little bit, and I was like, look, the Cavs struggled so badly, I think the Raptors will be able to handle them. And after watching game one, I literally went back and I said there is 0% chance the Raptors even win a game in this yep. series. Like, we watched Valanciunas miss point-blank layups. Like, it was just, it was just bad basketball. Is Valanciunas the softest big man in the NBA? I think he might be. He's, he's top three. He's easily top three. He's like, he's yeah, he's trash. I mean, I'm... He's like the anti-Steven Adams. <laughs> you know, like, as soon as someone touches him, he turns into, like fucking New- Newtonian fluid and just, <laughs> and just jiggles up and just, oh my God, has a seizure to himself. No, he really does. He's he's the definition of soft. He's like a quarterback in the NFL. You hit him and he just falls over instantly like <laughs> and just crumples. He's the definition of soft for sure. But what we've done is based off the NBA Awards last night is me and Cohen have kind of come up with our own version of the NBA Awards to kind of shed some light on some players who aren't necessarily the big time spotlight players and give them some love. So I hope you all like our version of the NBA Awards. All right, so, Thomas, our first award is uh, the Oscar for Best Acting slash the FIFA Award, and this is for players who flopped the best slash worst. And so the nominees are James Harden, Marcus Smart, and Russell Westbrook for this one. Y'all have seen me multiple times rant about this on Twitter, but I had to go with Marcus Smart here. Don't get me wrong. Marcus Smart is probably the best flopper in the NBA about a selling one. Me and Cohen were just talking about it earlier. He's the best at selling awards. I've seen people swing their elbows and then be within three centimeters of his face and him somehow fall back and fall over for it. I've seen people come down the court and barely bump him, and he's good at like full, somehow projecting his body into the air and flying back and making it look legit. Like In real time, it's tough to tell if he's flopping or not. He's so good at selling we, it. You, you have to rely on the instant replay for Marcus Smart to tell if he's flopping. This oh, yeah. is so good. Oh, yeah. I feel like I got to get an eye, though, for seeing Marcus Smart flopping. Like If I was a ref, 90% of the time I'm giving no calls if Marcus Smart's guarding, but I mean... Hey, oh, he doesn't get the benefit of the doubt. We've seen the shit that he's done. He doesn't get the benefit oh, of the doubt. Oh, yeah, no shot. But I definitely agree. I definitely have to go with Marcus Smart there. Who do you got for this one? Um, this one, Marcus Smart, um, like you said, he is the best flopper in the NBA. Um, I like him because his actually results in tangible charge calls and actual offensive fouls and actual turnovers and stuff. Um, the worst flopper to me is Russell Westbrook. He plays so bad out of control. As soon as someone lays a hand on his jersey, he dances to the – to the rim, throws up the worst shot I've ever seen in my life, and then throws both his hands up at the ref and is like, hey, man, why come you didn't call that? It's not like Marcus Smart is over there in the ref's ear every single second being like, oh, man, you know, you could have gave me that, could have gave me that. Russell Westbrook is hands down the most dramatic player in the NBA, and he's hands down the worst flopper in terms of how ugly it looks. Oh, yeah, no doubt. I definitely think James Harden's a lot more skilled. Like, Russell Westbrook needs to go watch hours of film of James Harden on how James to Harden is, is, is body contortion. <clears throat> Russell, Russell Westbrook is having a seizure while walking. <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely agree with you on that one. Let's move here to the Big Baller brand Best Shoe Award. What are our nominees here? Uh, our nominees are Damian Lillard, the Bape Dame Fours, which are made by Adidas, the Steph Curry Under Armour Curry Four First Dates. They're like a rose pink one, kind of like Yeezys but high tops. Like real high tops. And then the Paul George Low Top PG2 Palmdales. I'm going with the Paul George Low Top PG2 Palmdales. The color on those were exquisite. Me, myself, I can't wear low top shoes, so I respect guys who can. The shoes look crispy. They look nice. And uh, I'm pretty sure in the All-Star game that PG was wearing them in, he had a pretty nice performance. So I'm going to go with the PGs. 
Yeah, no, I definitely like those. I'm a big fan of the PGs. I just think that each time he's come out with a shoe, they get better and better. And I think mm-hmm. they, I just love all those like player exclusives and stuff they've come out. I'm actually going with one that's not on this list. I have to go with a player here for the best shoe game. I have to go with PJ Tucker. Oh, so you're doing so you're doing just player who just rocks the fucking most popping shoes. Yeah, I just feel like that PJ Tucker. Like, I mean, he is a whole locker for yeah, shoes. He yeah. says he has over four thousand pairs of shoes. I mean, that's he, the fifteenth man. It's yeah. PJ Tucker's shoes. Like, he is just a locker devoted to those. Yeah, exactly. That was one of his things that he wanted in his contract when he came over to Houston. Was he gets his own? Like Chris Paul said, it was weird having a locker next to him that was just full of shoes with PJ and like PJ Tucker multiple times and put videos up of him on his. Instagram live of him cleaning out his locker like dang I got these and I haven't even <laughs> worn them before like they're sick like PJ Tucker's just got so many shoes I just feel I just love his shoe game I feel like that he's one of the most underrated players in the league to me and I just love how that finally people realize he's the best shoe game I mean we've never seen anybody play in the red October Yeezy no, Nike Yeezys no. and PJ Tucker's played no. them like five that times was, that was a dark deep red that made my eyes gravitate towards it because that was like a deep ass red that just I was like oh my god like they make that pigment of red like holy shit yeah no those are definitely sick and like we've even seen him play in like the futures like the one shoes from back to the future i mean those yes. shoes are like the those kip, are the kips the kip bradley whatever the guy's name is yeah those yeah. are like some of the most expensive shoes ever made pj tucker's out there balling and i'm like screw it whatever happens happens all right and um, our next award is the gravity bong award the player most likely to smoke weed and do something stupid during a game our nominees are jr smith JaVale McGee and Zach Randolph. Finlan, who you got? See, I have to go with JaVale McGee. I mean, there's just too many clips of him doing stupid stuff. I feel like until J.R. Smith in the finals that he was able to control, or at least J.R. Smith's able to have a, have a couple games where he goes for like 30 points or something like that, but... I mean, JaVale McGee, man, like, there's just, like, we saw him get a point blank dunk, take the dribble, and get rim blocked. We've, we've, we've seen that two or three times this season. Like, this man, JaVale McGee, is literally shacking a fool. They, they had to make that segment on TNT, I'm sure, for him. Because he just has so many blunders, screw-ups, and errors that aren't necessarily – they won't cost you the game, but they're funny. It's, it, it, it's a blunder because it's funny. It's, it's not so embarrassing because we can all laugh about it, and he's a good ball player, but he's just clumsy as hell and looks like he hits eight grabs and goes <laughs> straight to the arena – and and he just doesn't know what, what what he's doing. Like Pimlin, like you you probably know this. Like you you ever hit three grabs, try to go to the bank, try to go grab bite to eat, try to go work out, and you get in the car and you're like, wait, what the fuck was I doing to begin with? And it, it just looks like Javale McGee lives like that. <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely agree with you on that. Uh, he definitely looks yeah, he looks like he has no idea what he could what he's doing. He definitely can't handle himself. But I mean, we also have the players who can do it and play well. We got Clay Thompson, James Harden, and the whole USC basketball team with Nick Young, DeRozan, and OJ Mayo. I mean, all those players look like they're baked out there real smooth on the floor. Clay Thompson is a fucking cheat code, I'm sure, whenever he gets high. Like I'm sure that the the forty point quarter that he had or whatever, I'm pretty sure he was probably baked. Like he probably just got too high, forgot what he was doing, just like, Oh shit, ball in my hand, better shoot it and then they just kept going in. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you there on that one. Let's move now to the microwave oven award, and that's for the player who can heat up the most off the bench. We got Lou Williams, Joe Ingles, Eric Gordon. Some honorable mentions of Jamal Crawford, Marco Bellinelli, and Nick Young. Who you got for this one, Cohen? Um, This one, just for what he did this year, Lou Lou Williams. um, He kind of had a career resurgent year. Kind of, um, it wasn't a big contract the Clippers took him on, but it was bigger than what I thought they would. Um, He put up, I think, 23.4 off the bench. He, I think he had to start like 10 games this year because um, Austin Rivers was out for a few. But he the, the volume scoring in that 60-point night that we got from Lou Will this year, I think that was just that was, that was mad microwave. 
Yeah, no, I agree with you there. Lou Will is actually one of my favorite players in the league just because he's a he's an Atlanta AAU legend and everything he's done in Atlanta. So I mean, and his I, girl got a girlfriend. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Like Lou Will, like is he's Lou Will, man. Like he does whatever he wants. I loved it when he was in Atlanta. I mean, Coach Bud and him obviously clashed, and that was why he departed from Atlanta. And we basically traded him for nothing. It was so stupid. But though, I mean, I love Lou Will. I feel like that it's definitely him. I mean, nobody gets buckets like Lou Will off the bench. I feel like he is the best. Just put it between one leg and just go. Yep. Straight into the three pointer, him and James Harden. If, if 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 I need two points right quick, and the game's on the line, I'm gonna give it to Lou Will. You know, like there's 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 very few players, there's really other five other players in the league who just have the offensive ability that he has, just not only to put it in between his legs and make a guy miss, but literally just to get to the rack and find himself a quality look. Yeah, he's the definition of like a hooper. I feel like he brings like an AAU like streetball style to the NBA, which is what I love about it. I mean, Joe, he's, a, he's a whole bucket. Oh, yeah. No, he's a walking bucket, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, he's the walking bucket. So I love that one right there. Next one is the Lunch Pail Award. And that goes to the hardest worker guy who kind of puts on his hard hat and brings his lunch pail to work every day. Maybe smokes a few stoves in between quarters. But Oh, yeah. oh, oh Nikola Jokic, my, the first nominee and the guy who I'm picking to win this award, definitely smokes stoves in, in, in between, <laughs> in between halftime. Like, you know, in Mother Russia, in, in halftime, that's a stoke break for everybody. The fans, the referees, the coaches, and everybody. So he's just taking over his culture from Russia, Croatia, Slovenia, wherever he's from. Oh, yeah. He definitely drinks half a bottle of vodka. And oh, then he oh, goes, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. 100% jokic. I mean, we also got Andre Drummond, Al Horford, and Draymond on there. I'm going to have to go with Draymond for my lunch pail award. I just feel like everything he brings to the table for the Warriors, he does all the dirty work. Like, you see, he's the one who gets all the technical fouls. He's the one who knocks the player around that roughs up. He's the, he's the one who's not afraid to take the negative heat, the negative emotion, the the bad. He, he, he'll say, hey, fellas, put the bad on me. You guys go out there and shoot. I'll, I'll take care of the distractions, you know, like. Yeah, and he, th- and he thrives off that, being mm-hmm. the hated guy. He loves it. Like, it's what makes Draymond go. He like, plays when, on cloud nine every single day that he plays just because he's, he's lucky to be in the NBA in his mind. He's just a kid from the streets, you know, but, like, he really does love playing basketball, and it's misconstrued as competitive effort. People don't don't really think, oh, Draymond Green, he's a loud mouth, he's a prick. No, the guy wants to win, and he's willing to do literally whatever it takes to win, and that is fucking super admirable. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that, and there's so many times, too, where I've seen Draymond get booed in arenas, and he's got his hands yeah, up, pumping oh, yeah, the oh, crowd yeah, up, putting his him. hands to the ears. Like boo he, more. Like there's an there's, there's a apparatus in his ear that changes the boos to cheers. Like it, it sounds like to him that they actually really like him. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Draymond loves all that. But um, let's move here now to our next award, and that is um, what do we got? The lean, on, the lean on me. Sometimes that's the most dependable bench player. We got Robert Covington, Julius Randle, and Joe Ingles. Um, for this one, I'm going with Julius Randle. I just feel like that Julius Randle, he was a guy who was a lot of times lost favor with the Lakers. I mean, they have a lot of guys who kind of play the same similar roles to he does. But, I mean, Julius Randle, every single time he got in there, he would run up and down the floor as hard as he could. He would get there on defense. He'd bring energy defensively, and he as would a, just as get a, rebounds. As a seventh man, I think he put up 17 and 8.5 and this year, which is damn good. You know, that's borderline starting material. Yeah, no, I definitely think Julius Randle's the kind of guy like a team like the Thunder or any really any team who just needs like a good role player in your starting lineup. I really think Julius Randle's a guy who can come play the four for you and be that real energy player. And I mean, he's real skilled too with the go with all the energy he brings to the table. So I just love everything he does. Who do you have for this award? Um, this award, I'm going with Robert Covington. I usually hate Philly, but uh, Robert Covington is a very fascinating player. Um, if he was a little bit more athletic, he would be a Swiss Army knife, as, as in he could do everything. He can play offense well enough, but where he really shines is on defense. Um, for half the other teams in the NBA, I'm not going to lie to you, he'd probably be a starter. 
But um, Philly's getting so deep, and uh, Robert Covington is such a quiet, humble player. I don't think that he really um, gets the recognition that he really deserves. I got Robert Covington. Yeah, no, I agree. I like Robert Covington, too. I think he deserves a lot more, too. He's also got paid pretty nice, too, so I think he doesn't really have a yes. problem with swallowing yes. his pride a little bit. Yeah. Um, another award we have on here, which is just kind of like a little personal award here for me, is the most trigger-happy bench player. And for this one, I had to go with Etwan Moore. I mean, Etwan Moore, he averaged 12.5 points per game, yet he had 10 field goal attempts per game, and he was playing about 23 minutes. So, I mean, that pretty much means about every minute, 30 seconds, he's chucking something up there at the goal. And, I mean, we even saw in the playoffs, he had that one game where he had 22 points, and the next game he had two points on one of eight shooting. Like, Etwan Moore's just out there. Like, they gave him the ball. He's just like, screw it, man. They gave me the ball. I'm shooting I'm it. Shoot it up. Um, funny thing that you said, Etwan Moore is his teammate, uh, Miritich, <clears throat> like whenever Miritich arrived in New Orleans, he was the same way. Like Miritich, he was just putting up the most. Like every time he touched the ball above the three-point line, it's just an automatic shot. Um, I don't necessarily dislike players like that, depending on your, um, depending on what your team needs, where you're at, in in, in the season. Um, another player we can look at for this award is Donovan Mitchell. Um, he was a guy who's not scared to go out there and take 30 shots, have to beat uh, Russell Westbrook or James Harden. A guy who can go nine for 21 from the field and. Um, put up to his 22 points, but we're not mad at him because Utah needs that. Yeah, no, I agree with you too. Like, I mean, players like that with Etwan Moore who are just going to go out there off the bench and chuck a lot of shots up. You just got to watch how they're shooting. If they've missed like three or four shots, all right, get them off the court, put them yeah. back on the bench. But, I mean, like if they're hitting shots, leave them oh, out there oh, and let oh, them try yeah. to that's, heat up a little that bit. Is the, that is the best thing about being a streaky player in the NBA is um, that whenever you are hitting, they will leave your ass out there and they'll let you shoot all day. But when you're not on, you are – you are glued to that bench. Yeah, that's a lot how like J.R. Smith used to be, honestly. Is he's one of those really trigger happy. Like we watched him chuck volume shots. Oh yeah. He scored forty points a couple times off the bench for the Nuggets. Like J.R. Smith used to be able to do it now, unfortunately. Like I really feel bad for J.R. Smith with that big mistake he had at the end of the game. That and wasn't it, a mistake. That, that that wasn't a mistake. He could have A not grabbed that rebound and gave <clears> the Warriors <throat> the game with four seconds to go and, and they had a timeout. Or, I mean, he could have turned it over. He could, could have got it blocked as soon as he caught it and went back up with it. You know, like, anyone who thinks J.R. Smith had a blunder right there is dumb. J.R. Smith really say like, he, he made the Cavs play for overtime. Which, yeah, right or wrong decision, whatever. But he grabbed the rebound, didn't turn the ball over, and um, made it to where the Warriors couldn't win the game in that last four seconds. Yeah, no, I mean, I definitely – it's definitely not bad to see it from that way. I mean, I agree with you. If you just laid the ball right in, I mean, Steph Curry or KD probably would have popped a three at the buzzer. I was about to say, and, and, and if he would have laid it right in, that was best-case scenario. The Warriors would have had three seconds to go, a timeout, and be down by two. I just don't like my odds right there. You know, like, the Golden State is hands down the best late-second shot clock, game clock shooting team in the NBA. And, and the player um, – yeah, and in, in, in game one of the finals like that, I just don't like my chances. Like, I would rather play for three minutes of overtime than three seconds of defense. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. It's definitely – I'd rather give it a chance in overtime. Obviously, LeBron didn't see it the same way. But let's move here now to most overrated star. My most overrated stars here, we got Blake Griffin, Mello, and uh, Paul Millsap. Who you got on this one? Um, <clears throat> overrated is a funny word to use for this. But um, this is one of those guys that you just kind of had to pay him just so no one else would. But Paul Millsap, like he's, I think, third or fourth the highest player in the NBA or highest paid player in the NBA right now. And um, his production isn't bad. It's just nowhere no, – it is plain as hell. It does not jump off the page to you at all. I think that um, he's a good guy. I like Paul. He used to play in Utah. He used to play in Atlanta. I've seen Paul play a lot of games. Um, but whoever signed up on that contract, boy, 
had a crush on him in high school or something. You know, like they, 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 they had his poster hanging up in his room because that they overpaid Paul Millsap by double. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, I agree with you that he definitely got overpaid. I mean, I love Paul Millsap. I mean, I think he's another one of those lunch pail hard hat, comes to work. He's going to outwork you. He's real quick for his size. But, I mean, I agree with you. He's completely overpaid there. But, actually, my award winner for this one is Blake Griffin. I mean, yeah, Blake Griffin's flashy. Yeah, he can score the ball. Yeah, he can get rebounds. He can pass a little bit. But at the end of the day, Blake Griffin really doesn't do that much to help his team um, win. You've seen very little return in terms of tangible results and actual playoff wins and actual meaningful moments with Blake Griffin. As an ex-Clippers fan from the late 2000s before 2012 came, I guess, um, Blake Griffin really was kind of the guy who got me into the NBA and – yeah, it's good to see him go away from that only slam dunking, only you know making really flash plays to j developing a little bit of a jump shot, hitting a few threes here and there. But it just seems like every time you put him on the floor, you're just wasting minutes with him. It's just empty stats, you know? Yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, I also we saw the Clippers play some of their best basketball when he was out, when they had that DeAndre, Chris Paul kind of nucleus more so when they weren't using him as much. So I definitely agree with you there. Let's move on now to player of the year. We got the LeBron buzzer beater uh, in OT. Um, we got – James Harden making Wesley Johnson look real stupid to me. I Dennis Smith Jr. self alley oop at the buzzer. Um, Y'all know how I am. I'm a big James Harden guy. I've tried to stay away from riding the Rockets for all these picks and stuff, but I got to go James Harden. I mean, that's just the most disrespectful play I've ever seen in the how NBA. How long he waited. He waited like five seconds before he shot. Like, God yeah. damn, James. Like, save that man's life. Yeah, he literally broke him, spun the basketball in his hand, licked his lips, and gave him kind of a, kind of a, you sit, stay down there, look, and then hit the three-pointer, held the release, and casually jogged back down court. Like, I thought it was just so much disrespect involved it. I mean, he may, may as well just hit the shot and then walked, ran over there real quick and stepped over him and then ran back down the court. He, it, it, if that was a game of Halo 3 on the original Xbox, he would have teabagged Ha, ha, ha. Yes, 100%. And it would have been one of those suicide cams, too, where he has yeah, to watch oh, yeah. it for, oh, yeah. for 10 it's seconds. Up and down. Just up and down. Yeah, yeah. No, 100%. Um, my, my choice for the play of the year is that LeBron buzzer beater versus Minnesota. Because people seem to forget that, that the final score of that game was 140 to 138. It was already in overtime. So if LeBron didn't hit that, it would have went to another overtime. And um, just goes to show that how guys like LeBron, they say all the time that eh, maybe LeBron's lazy because he sits out some regular season games. But no, like LeBron gives his all every single game he goes into. You know, like those regular season games count. You know, like seeding matters in the NBA. So I like that a lot. But the, the, the James Harden snatch on Wesley Johnson, put him in a fucking coffin, that was hands down the most ooh play of, of the NBA year. Oh, yeah, no, 100%. That's what Wesley Johnson will always be remembered for, so, I mean, that kind of sucks for him. But let's look now. Uh, coach who's got something, a uh, cooking award, that's kind of next year, an underrated coach. We got Lloyd Pierce, Doc Rivers, Lick Carl, Rick Carlisle. Obviously, I'm going to have to go to Lloyd Pierce. I couldn't go through this whole show and not give one award to a Hawks player. I mean, I feel like that we're going to have a fun team to watch with Trey Young. I feel like it's going to be like one of those trust the process type things. I actually think the Hawks will be really fun to watch in the summer league because they've already said John Collins will play for us. So we'll pretty much have all of our all of our big-time rookies out there except for uh, Tarian Prince, who's finally a third-year player and has shown a lot of Tarian upside. Tarian Prince really, really took a step from last year. I, I, I like Tarian Prince's game. Um, I didn't necessarily love the Trey Young pick, but I do love the protected first round that you get from Dallas next year. Um the Hawks were definitely winners of this draft. Um, and at first, I wasn't too crazy on Lloyd Pierce, but to hear all the ex-NBA guys and all the ex-players and all his current players that 
have played for him before and all his other coach or coaching counterparts say um, Lloyd is a, is a hard-nosed guy who's a de- defensive-minded, um, is still adjusting to the new analytics offensively of the game, but he runs a tight ship. Um, he's a player's coach. He's, he's, a, he's a player's coach, but he runs a tight ship, which sounds weird. It's kind of like Bobby Cox, you know, like he, he, he's your worst enemy on practice days, but on game days, he's your best friend. You know, like he, yeah. he'll go up and stick a stick up for you. He'll go up and he'll play you. He, like he not not gonna hold a dumb grudge against you and not play you. You know, but I, I I really think that the Hawks have something exciting going on with Lloyd Pierce. Um, I think they have something exciting going on. I really like their their thirtieth um, pick in the in the first round. That Spellman, uh, Spellman guy. Oh yeah. Um, I wanted the Jazz to pick him, but we went for Grayson Allen and. Um, also, the guy Kevin Herter, if um, if they can get him on the floor and actually get him spaced, actually get him in rhythm, like he should be diet Clay Thompson. Yeah, no, I think that Herter's more. Unfortunately, I think he's more like a Corver uh, than Clay Thompson. But I really like. At first, I didn't like the pick, but the way I look at it with Herter is that once you picked in like those later later picks like that, you got to look at the board and say, all right, you got all these potential players on the board. Do you really think that they'll actually transform to what their potential is? And then you also got to look at you got all these guys. We know for a fact that like this guy will be able to get ten rebounds off the bench. This guy will be able to hit three of five, three of six threes, night in and night out. Like, what do you value the most? And I feel like Herter is one of those guys who can hit some threes. He's not going to be great on defense, but he's a little athletic, so he can kind of do a little bit more than Corver can. And then on top of all that, I agree with you. I like Spellman. I think Spellman's got a motor. And Amari, I think, Amari Spellman? Yeah, yeah, I think that having a motor is honestly one of the most underrated things you can have because that's something you can't teach. You can have all the skill in the world, but if you don't have that competitive fire and motor, then – it's really just kind of goes to waste, like we've seen with lots of these high draft picks. That's what people don't realize is they don't have any motor. Look like at Dwight Anthony. Howard. If he had, the, if Dwight Howard had the mindset that Anthony Davis had, or even Isaiah Thomas had, yeah. Dwight Howard would be the best player that ever lived. Yeah, you give Dwight. If you put Isaiah Thomas's brain in Dwight Howard's body, you would be the oh, best player. Oh, in the dude, I, if I was an NBA player, I would quit. I wouldn't show up at the games. I'm scared that I'm going to get killed. Yeah, that, and that's the way Dwight Howard was in Orlando. But I think Kobe just. Kobe did some. Kobe brainwashed him. I swear, Kobe put him in a chair and brainwashed Nar- him. Narcissists like that have a real bad habit of emotionally and physically and mentally draining the pe- people and players they're around. Oh yeah, no, I agree with you there. But Cohen, I appreciate having you on. I love doing these awards. It's nice. The uh, first annual TP3 awards were nice. The teepees. Can we call them the teepees? Let's call them the teepees, the baby. Teepees. The teepees today, baby. Yeah, we uh, we got to sh- give some love, you know, to the underrated players. Yeah, I feel yeah. like. I feel like that was really what I wanted to do was give some love to just like off the mainstream stuff. Like, yeah, you got all the mainstream. Like, we could sit here and argue for hours about the mainstream awards, but we were already all tired of hearing that. We hear that yeah. every day on TV. Let's shorten some light on some players who don't get as much love, like JaVale McGee or like Eric P.J. Gordon, Tucker. Or Joe Ian. Ingles. Yeah. You know, like guys like Marcus Smart. Guys like, I mean, even Jokic. Like, Jokic had had a career year last year. Jokic is a is a monster. Like what he does for you offensively passing the ball and defensively protecting the rim and working with his feet. Like he was, a, he, if you ask me, Joe, uh, Joe kick played like a top 15 player last year. Yeah, no, I agree with you definitely on that there. I think he had a great season to build on for sure, but I'm definitely going to try to get you on here again soon to talk about some uh, NBA free agency and stuff like that. We'll come up with some um, absurd, absurd theories for y'all. But once again, another episode in the books, we'll see y'all again later this week. All right, everybody. Peace. <clears throat>